Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. We talk a lot about sex education, but when I'm shopping for products to support my sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, I head to the experts at Lion's Den. Lion's Den is an adult retailer with over 50 locations nationwide and hundreds of your favorite brands. They have everything you need to explore and express your sexual side. Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online at lionsden.com. Follow them on social media at Lions Den Adult on Instagram and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. What if I told you that I did a masturbation experiment with the magic wand and the results were incredible? Don't believe me? Let me share a few things with the class. When using the magic wand every day, I experienced less stress, anxiety, and physical tension. I reported more frequent positive moods when using the magic wand every day, including higher levels of confidence. My level of horniness increased over time when using the magic wand every day. Want to see how else the magic wand impacted me positively? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment to learn more. So, you're ready to experiment with anal play, but you're not sure where to start. If I were you, I'd start with education and products by a company founded by a doctor who's an expert on anal sex. I'm talking about Future Method. Future Method develops science-backed products and doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Let's talk about a lube I absolutely love, Uberlube. Uberlube makes sex better for everyone by reducing friction and increasing pleasure. Whether you're using it for solo sex, sex with a partner, or both, Uberlube has a long-lasting performance that lets skin feel skin. It has simple body and condom-friendly ingredients, is scent and color-free, dissipates when no longer needed so there's no sticky residue, and is recommended by leading doctors. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Hi, everybody. I hope you're doing really, really well. I'm coming to you on a beautiful day, and I am feeling a little vulnerable, but very excited to just talk a little bit about what this episode uh, with Zachary Zane, the author of Boy Slut, is going to be about. And you'll learn this in the episode, but hear it from me first in that I recently have been identifying as bisexual. And it's just been really a cool way for me to get in touch with a part of myself that I've thought about for a long time and kind of have been like shifting around um, for the past couple of years about that label. And we talk about it a little bit, but Zachary Zane, this author who I interview, uh, had a a part in making me realize that that label identity or that that identity label felt really good for me. And I think that in this episode, he talks a lot about sexual shame and about the ways in which that we can be 
proud of our identities, even when we recognize the privilege that we hold within them. And I think it's really powerful. He was a really, really fantastic person to interview. I learned a lot. Um, currently in the middle of his book, we talk about that. And so I just wanted uh, to hard launch into that. Uh, I feel like I don't really talk about my personal life on here too, too much. Um, but I think it's super relevant. This is called sex ed with DB. So I, uh, I would be a fraud if I didn't uh, share a little bit about the things that I'm feeling and thinking and updates with me. Um, and I hope that if you're someone who is struggling with your identity or kind of struggling to figure out if the label really makes sense for you uh, and what that really feels like, then you can gain some solace in knowing that you're not alone and that I, even as a experienced sex educator who am very knowledgeable in this field, you know, we all can struggle and we all have this like journey that we're on and trying to figure our shit out. And just because I've figured this out doesn't mean I won't have other struggles or that I don't, you know, have other things to explore within myself. But I think it's really powerful and I wanted to share it with you. So if you relate to this episode or if you're interested in chatting with me about this, about how this makes you feel or other thoughts that you have, feel free to DM us on Instagram or email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Uh, but before uh, we cut to the interview here, I want to encourage you to, if you like this episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'll read your review on an episode of the podcast, and I'm going to read a five-star rating right now from FGM83. The title of the of the review is love, 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 exclamation point, exclamation point, and the review is this. It says, this podcast is so informative and is also so validating. It's time for sex positivity to be normal. Thank you so much, FGM83. Really, really appreciate you, and yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in and for being interested in my thoughts and feelings and other guests' thoughts and feelings. It means a whole lot. And I just want to say just a big thank you to the Sex Ed with DB community. I feel like by choosing this as my career, it has really allowed me to delve into these deeper issues about myself and about who I am and how I see myself in the world. And I wouldn't have been able to be here without you. So thank you so much for being a part of this awesome community. And no more mushy stuff. Okay, here we are with Zachary Zane. Zachary Zane, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me on here. Thrilled to have you. You were one of the few guests who have uh, very much impacted me personally. <laughs> I I feel honored. Uh, can, can I ask how so specifically? Is is that are we delving just right into we it here? We could, we could, yeah, we could spoil it a little bit um, and get into it. But you know, I I said this through you or through email to you um, after going to your book event, and we're going to be talking all today about Boy Slut, your memoir, and I just felt like you gave me and so many others, I'm sure the permission to really explore the bisexuality label for myself. And ever since I have done that and I've emailed you being like, I use that label kind of because of you. And that's really fucking cool. And I'm really appreciative of that. And it just feels really great to have that permission and really like associate myself with that. And we can get into it a little bit more in the interview, but I just really 
was struck by you at your book event. And it, I've told so many people about it. And it's really fun to have like such a profound experience. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I don't know what else to say. And yeah, I know we're going to talk more about it later, so I won't start rambling just yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save my rambles for later. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, as a sex educator, and I'm sure for you as someone who's a professional in this field, you're a writer, I'll let you introduce yourself in a hot second to not uh, rain on your parade. But, you know, you talk to a lot of people and you learn from a lot of different people and some of it feels very far away, like, oh, I can appreciate this. I'm understanding how, you know, how relevant this is to other people's lives and I support it and I'm an advocate. But when it touches you personally and makes you kind of reflect about your own ideas and the way in which you see yourself in the world and how okay or fabulous even you might feel afterwards, you know, there's there's a difference there. And so I just want to acknowledge that you like you have played a very important role in that for me, which is really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so maybe people are listening. And they're like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I have no idea who All you right. are. Um, I want to understand how DB is, you know, relating to Zachary Zane in any sort of way. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us about your work and your book, Boy Slut. Sure. So uh, my name is Zachary Zane, and I am a sex writer and columnist. Uh, I write the sex and relationship advice column, Sex Played It, at Men's Health Magazine. I also recently got a non-monogamy column at Cosmopolitan at Cosmo called Navigating Non-Monogamy. And that column is really special to me um, because, and when I pitched it to them specifically, I was like, um, everyone and their mother is seemingly polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous or opening up the relationship right now. There is so much content out there for open relationships, but it's only actually two types of articles. It's just how to open up your relationship and how to navigate jealousy. I've been polyamorous for nearly a decade. I don't really struggle with jealousy that much anymore. If I do get jealous, I tell my partner, she reassures me, he reassures me, whoever it is reassures me, we're good to go. Um, and I'm not opening up my relationship. I've been doing it for a decade. And I'm like, and there's still 10 billion things I struggle with in polyamory that are not being addressed right mm. now. And so specifically, it's a column uh, looking at these other aspects of polyamory. And I share all the mistakes I've made in my non-monogamous journey. So hopefully you don't have to. So that's just like a new column that came out. I'm really excited for it. It's at Cosmo. It's monthly. But what we're here to discuss is my book that came out just a couple months ago called Boy Slut, A Memoir and Manifesto. And this book, in short, is about how to overcome sexual shame. And I talk about my journey from being someone who I actually grew up in a very sex positive uh, household. Um, and still, I had so much sexual shame. And that's just because sex negativity is so pervasive. It is so insidious. I pick it up from, you know, my teachers, media, culture, peers, everywhere. So even though my parents were sex positive, I still have this idea that sex was bad, nudity was bad, same-sex attractions was bad, and that I was this bad person. So it was kind of important for me to, first of all, illustrate that, like, no matter who you are, you, you probably don't have a great relationship with sex mm. unless if you've worked to unpack this. Because I often feel like a lot of these books come from a place of like, oh, I was like grew up in a very Christian household or I was kicked out of right. my family for being gay. And that kind of like justifies their sexual shame. And at first I was like, why did I have sexual shame? I, I have no justification for it. Like I grew up in a 
sex positive household. I, I, I shouldn't, I, I'm not allowed to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel this way? And it's like, no, we all feel this way to varying degrees because we live in society. Unless if we lived on, you know, a fucking nudist colony right. without internet, a polyamorous nudist colony in the middle of bumblefuck nowhere without internet, maybe those guys don't have sexual shame. But and they have a lot in, of not other things too. They're missing out they, on a lot of things. They also don't have the internet. So, right. you know, like, uh, jokes on them. You, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so a lot of this book is talking about like three, three sections, three parts in general that are really important to me. So number one is bisexuality. I haven't seen kind of a memoir written by a man who's bisexual. Um, and we obviously have different experiences from gay people, from other queer people, whatever it is. And it was really important for me to kind of address the male bisexual experience, discuss how to overcome internalized biphobia, how to date while being bisexual, um, how to exist in a world where there is so much biphobia and people don't believe you exist. Like, how do you respond to biphobic comments without losing your mind, without feeling like you have to justify your sexuality to everyone you meet? So that's one of the main things I talk about. I talk about a lot about polyamory my journey within that. And then I talk about kinks and I feel like, um, I I think a lot of us feel a lot of shame for our sexual desires. And I have some really intense sexual desires that I discuss rather graphically in the book. (laughs) Uh, so this book is raunchy. I'm letting you know now it's not for everyone. I, I just got a really funny review that was like, despite the grading language, uh, I really enjoyed the book and I thought it was funny. I'm like, the book was called Boy Slut. Like, like what the fuck d- did you think you were going to get? Right, did right. you think it was not going to be cursing and raunchy sex content here? Right. Um, and it also covers other sections too, right? So I talk about, and we were talking this a little bit beforehand, kind of offline here, but I have a chapter on rejection. Mm-hmm. Specifically, why are we so bad at navigating rejection uh, when it's probably the most universal experience? We've all been rejected. We've all rejected other people. And yet we respond to it terribly. And how do we reach a place where rejection is less painful? Uh, How do we reach a place where when we reject someone and we do so kindly and they respond poorly, we don't get upset. Mm -hmm. We're able to be like, hey, I understand that those are their feelings. We can't control their feelings. And of course, I feel bad that they feel this way, but also recognizing that I didn't actually do anything wrong here. And what I did by being honest and kind and direct, even though they responded to it poorly, was still the correct thing for me to do. And I should be happy with my response. So these are just... Just a few things. Just a few (laughs) casual, lighthearted things here. Nothing much. NMU. Um, Yeah, nothing much um, that I kind of address in this book. And there's also just some fun, graphic, raunchy sex. I write in a very humorous capacity. Yeah, you definitely do. Um, And talk about sex parties, stuff like that. So I think it's a pretty fun book. And I think truly anyone... But especially queer people, especially bi people, kinky people, poly people, alternative, queers, outcasts, faggots. These are the people I think would really, really benefit the most from my book. But again, we all experience sexual shame. So I feel like anyone, any reader could really learn something and just enjoy reading it. Yeah. You just said 9 million things that I want to respond to. But I think <laughs> yeah. I think that – okay, the first thing I'll say is I'm currently in the middle of your book and your voice like really comes through. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's like super funny very confident, very authentic, sarcastic, silly, kind of like sassy, like very comfortable with yourself and your voice. And I feel like, you know, that feeling where you're listening to a pod, I listen to Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard, like a million hours of it. And you have this like parasocial relationship of like, oh, I know where they like to go to Hawaii and like all that shit. I do kind of feel that with you in your book of like, I really feel like I know the real you that you're portraying and that you're sharing with people or what you're choosing to share 
which is very nice as a reader. Thank you. This was very vulnerable of me in a way that I think people are like, well, Zach, you're always vulnerable. And I'm like, well, yes and no. I think people misconstrue my sexual openness with vulnerability because mm. a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about sex. So I can talk about my hairy asshole getting DP'd or getting spit roasted or gagging on a cock and like – that's actually very safe for me. Like I enjoy being a disgusting little pervert and a sex positive maniac, whatever the fuck you want to call me. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, like that stuff, I don't feel shame about that stuff. Doesn't feel particularly vulnerable. We all have sex. I embrace it. It's fun. I love it. But like talking about my relationship with my family talking about my relationships, you know, breakups where I've treated people poorly in the past where like, yeah, when I wasn't able to reject people the right way, like like these are the more vulnerable things that I actually don't discuss as much. Mm-hmm. And like, if you follow me on social media, which everyone should, Zachary Zane underscore on Instagram, <laughs> shameless plug. Just throw it in there early. Shameless plug, right? Like, yeah, I keep my content. It's very fun. It's very sexy. It's very playful. But I'm not talking about getting my heart broken from a breakup. You know what I mean? Like, that's not kind of the content that I post online. So this was kind of a different level of transparency and vulnerability yeah. that I uh, haven't always shared in my writing. So it was definitely different for me. Yeah. And I felt so let me back up a little bit because in the beginning of the interview, we kind of like spoiled it. And like, this is kind of a hard launch because I personally, as Danielle, DB have not really talked about like my own bisexuality, like my own kind of like figuring that out. This is like a hard launch of that. I've like, congratulations so much. Um, I've kind of like, you know, sprinkled it in here and there. I think, as you know, being like a public persona with, you know, people who are interested in learning from you online through a podcast, through social media, there's a certain level that you choose to share about yourself. And then there's kind of this line that you decide, do I want to cross that? Do I not? How much do I want to share with the people who maybe have a parasocial relationship with me? Like there are people listening to this podcast and I don't know them personally and maybe they feel like they really know me. And so this is another element of that. And so I felt like when I went to your event, which was in San Francisco, you were kind of reading the first chapter of your book, you were answering questions. And there were just so many times where I felt like you were being vulnerable. And that did kind of allow me to be vulnerable and reflect on my own kind of path. And I think that this is a very common experience, at least in my like group of friends and like the people who I've spoken to, specifically women who have been dating like cis male partners for a really long time or in monogamous relationships and are kind of slowly unpacking the fact that maybe there is a little bit more to the way in which that they see themselves regardless of them being in love with their partner or what that relationship is like. And I think that that has been really eye-opening to me and this kind of thing of like, well, yeah, I'm sure I've had like feelings for women, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, you know, sexually fluid. I don't really know if like the bi label, like if, you know, all the things that you said at your event and in your book of like this sexual shame, this idea of like, this not enoughness of being able to identify as bisexual. And I wonder if you can like talk a little bit about that because I think that other women listening and obviously you're speaking for bi men or chatting with bi men about this as well. Like what are ways that you can kind of like help reframe this idea for other people, kind of how I felt it was reframed. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually wrote, I've written one piece for the New York Times in my career, and it was an op-ed. And I I forgot what they called it, shit. I should have have looked it up. But it was essentially just being like, yes, you are bi enough. Um, And it was specifically 
really addressing, you know, cis women in relationships with men, in re- monogamous relationships with men who often do not feel like they are bi enough, they are queer enough, they don't want to claim a bisexual label, they feel like, uh, yeah, they don't deserve to be here, they don't deserve a seat at the table, they're a fake bi person. And especially if people realize that they were bi, you know, while they were married, let's say, and they have while they would like to potentially explore their same sex attractions, like, no, I'm happy with my husband. I don't kind of want to open up that can of worms. So I'm going to remain monogamous here. Um, And being like, yes, you are bisexual. You are a hundred percent bisexual. There's no half bisexual. There's no slight bisexual. This bisexuality is you. And one thing I think has been helpful when I describe it is all too often. And this is quite sad. Like our queer identity is like verified or justified by the amount of like discrimination and oppression that we receive. Mm. So it's just like, oh, I'm queer because I've been a victim of a hate crime. And it's just like, I am absolutely not saying that like, like a bi cis woman relationship with a man has the same struggles as a trans woman dating a man or as a gay man dating another man or lesbians dating that. Like I'm very well aware as someone who's bi Uh, Like when I walk down the street holding hands with a woman, I feel significantly safer than when I'm walking down the streets holding hands with a man where I am looking over my shoulder. I am seeing if someone's going like I've had people harass me. I've had people slurs at me like like I am aware that my safety is in jeopardy. That doesn't make me queer. And what I really hope that people who do have privilege in the relationships do is actually use that privilege to become part of the bi community and to support Mm. those who are more marginalized within the community. And what I kind of say to the more marginalized people who often don't want to necessarily accept the bi people or feel like, oh, they don't understand our experience. I'm like, we actually need their support and help. They're coming from a place of privilege. And if we welcome them into this community, they're more likely to use their husband's finance dollars to actually support you. You know what I mean? But like, so, but if you can kind of get beyond the fact where it's just like, yes, I'm not saying that we have the same life. I'm not saying that we have the same hardships, but yes, I'm still 100% bisexual and that is my identity and that is my attractions. And potentially you're saying this because you want it to also be your community, right? You want to exist in these spaces. You want to feel welcome in these spaces. You want to have other bi and queer friends and you are more than allowed to have that. And that is absolutely who you are. But yeah, especially like it, it can be tough for bi people, especially bi women. I know sometimes like lesbians are often very mean uh, to bi women. <laughs> like there's no other kind of way around that where, you know, they're like there's I think that this fear, of course, there's this fear that, you know, I think often often what happened is, you know, like a lesbians had their heart broken by, you know, a bi woman who ends up leaving them for a man who was just, let's say, dabbling with a queer identity. And because of that, they got their heart broken. They're like, okay, all bi women are fake and suck. And it's like, well, no, you did have one quote unquote fake bi woman who was just dabbling with you and broke your heart. And I'm very sorry for that experience. That is very shitty. That doesn't mean every single bi woman is like this. Right. Uh, what, what a myopic and self-centered perspective to have here. Totally. Um so I'm a, a little bit rambling here, but like I, I think if there's a way to be like, yes, like it is about my attractions, about my community, I deserve to be here. And of course, don't take up too much space from those who are more marginalized and please make sure to give the help and the support that you have coming from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. But as long as you do that, then yes, you deserve to be here. You're 100% by. You're part of this community. Yeah, that is that is helpful to hear and – yeah, I think it's it's so like individualized. Everyone has their own experience, their own 
way in which that they see the world, their own influences. Um, but I do think that like reading your book and again, again, going to your event and like just being near other people who are like, yeah, I'm bisexual. And you kind of being someone who's like, yeah, like as a kid, I didn't have any notion of what that could be and what that would, what that would feel like if I was that. And I I don't want to spoil it for people because I want people to buy your book, but you do delve into that a lot about struggling with that label because as a bi man, you didn't see that. And realizing that I I feel like for bi people, we're often like, okay, we're going to live like a dual life where it's like we have our gay life and we have our straight life. And some of us maybe will completely just have a straight life or completely just have a gay life. And one thing I try to explain in the book is like, you can actually just have a bi life and that's not 50% gay and not 50% straight, but surrounding yourself with other bi, queer, inclusive spaces um, where you're not feeling like, oh, I'm picking a side right now. I'm putting on my straight hat. I'm putting, putting on my gay hat. You can always live just having your bi hat on in every space and how welcoming and rewarding uh, that feels. Totally. Okay, getting into your book a little bit, because I have a couple questions specifically about the book. I think the glossary in the beginning, like I, even as a seasoned sex educator, I have a master's of public health from Columbia. Like I've been around the block with these terms and still I'm, you know, learning. I think there's something to be said for these, this language and these definitions kind of shifting and changing over the last like couple years, five, 10 years. And so I think it is really important to kind of keep up on like the most recent definitions of things so that people can understand other people's experiences. And if they want to engage with that as well, what that might look and feel like. And so I have a couple uh, teaching moments for you right now. Um, Sure. The first one is, can you go over the differences that you talk about between bisexual versus pansexual? And then we'll get into the second question. Sure. And this question sometimes riles me up a little bit. So I'll try not to get. <laughs> you can be riled. Wild. I don't care. Uh, so someone like, uh, like often asks me like, why do you not identify as pan? Because you're attracted to all genders. But, uh, and I'll explain a little bit later why I identify as bi, but essentially like the first word we had for this really was bisexuality. But then it seemed like there was a little bit of confusion where people thought the buy in that potentially meant like, oh, you're only attracted to men and women. And in that way, it was not inclusive of non-binary people or people who exist outside the gender binary. Um, so because of that, they kind of like created a word pansexual and pan means all mean, oh, we're attracted to all genders. And then by people were like, wait a minute, I'm also attracted to all genders. And also sometimes pan people will call bi people transphobic. And I'm like, that actually makes no sense. Because if you say we're attracted to men and women, that means you don't believe that uh, that trans men are men and trans women are women. You're the one that's being transphobic. The argument to be made is that it's non-binary phobic, not inclusive of non-binary people. But that's also fucking ridiculous because like, and the thing is, you'll never, or you very rarely hear a non-binary person or trans person saying that bisexuality is transphobic or non-binary phobic. And the reason why is because bi people are the ones dating and fucking them. It's not the hyper-masculine straight dude who's dating the non-binary person. It is bi people in large, by and large, right? But so anyway, bi people kind of pushed back being like, no, we're also like many of us are attracted to people of all genders. So then kind of what ended up happening was like bi meant, meant many or all genders. It could be you're attracted to genders that are your own or genders that are not your own. So we kind of like push back being like, no, bi can mean essentially the exact same thing as pan, which means almost pan didn't need to exist anymore, 
right? Because we had this. So now kind of the difference in definitions and how it's grown is essentially bisexual people are attracted to people because of their gender. And then pan people are attracted to people regardless of gender. And so in that regards, I'm definitely bisexual because I'm attracted to masculinity. I'm attracted to femininity. I'm attracted to various body parts. I like dicks and pussy and ass and tits and everything. I'm attracted to absolutely everything and I find it all desirable. It's not a lack of desire. It's all of it. But then kind of the confusion with that is some people identify as both bi and pan. And if you identify both, then it's kind of at odds because one's saying I'm attracted to people because of gender. The other one's saying I'm attracted to people regardless of gender. So if this sounds confusing, it is because it is confusing. And that's why there is confusion even among the bi and pan communities. One thing I, I think the important thing to note of all of this is being like we are on the same team. Whenever I see like bi and pan infighting, which for what it's worth, I'm actually seeing significantly less of. I feel like, you know, five years ago, seven, eight years ago, there was a lot of talk about how bisexuality was exclusionary and pan people coming for bi people and bi people coming for pan people. I think we're all realizing like it's the same fucking shit. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there are nuances in our attractions. Our attractions can came over time. But like we're not gay. We're not straight. <laughs> We're attracted to multiple or all genders. We all are on the same team here. And hopefully just giving everyone a little bit of space and fresh air to identify however they see fit. Uh, and like that's all I'm asking for in terms of identifying as bi. I extend you a grace in identifying as pan or ambisexual or polysexual or sexually fluid or whatever it is. Just respecting how people identify. Let me tell you about one of my favorite pleasure product retailers out there, Lion's Den. If you haven't heard about Lion's Den before, I can't wait to tell you about them. Lion's Den opened its first retail facility in Columbus, Ohio in 1971. That's right, over 50 years ago. Since then, they've grown to more than 50 outlets throughout the U.S., building their reputation on high-quality products, low prices, and a knowledgeable sales staff who can help you find the perfect toy. One of the many things I love about Lion's Den is that they advocate for a sex-positive perspective on intimacy and sexual well-being, and strive to break the stereotypes and stigma surrounding sex by providing comprehensive educational resources to empower everyone to enjoy life to the fullest. They are simply amazing. Lucky for you, Lion's Den is giving my listeners an exclusive discount of 15% off your purchase, in-store and online with code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What are you waiting for? Get your amazing Lion's Den toy now. Here are my top three favorite things I love about UberLube. Number one, UberLube makes sex feel a lot more pleasurable. It's as simple yet as powerful as that. Number two, UberLube is recommended by leading doctors and its body-friendly ingredient list is widely used by people with sensitivities to lubricants. And number three, UberLube will not stain clothing or bedding. Any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. Get your bottle of UberLube now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. What do you know about pegging? If you've seen that one incredible Broad City episode like the rest of us, you probably know that pegging involves a woman, trans man, or non-binary individual without a penis wearing a strap-on dildo and penetrating their partner who has a penis. But did you know that there are actual benefits of pegging for straight couples? I'll share a few with you from an anal surgeon and booty expert at Future Method. Number one, 
reaching the full potential of one's orgasms. Prostate orgasms are powerful and can often be felt throughout the body. Number two, becoming closer with your partner and adding new dimensions to your relationships. And number three, learning to be submissive or dominating in a new position can be quite difficult to achieve, but when you can master these sensations, it opens the door to new relationship dynamics. Go to futuremethod.com to check out the expert written guide on pegging. And don't forget to use code sexedwithdb for 15% off at checkout for amazing button gut goodies. Want to win your very own Magic Wand Mini? If so, keep on listening. Ooh, it's kind of fun to have your attention. Okay, but let's get into it. Magic Wand, aka the best-selling wand vibrator of all time, has partnered with Sex Ed with DB to give some Magic Wands away to some lucky winners. How can you participate and enter to win? We want to hear your best Magic Wand story. Maybe something funny or silly comes to mind? Maybe the Magic Wand unlocked a world of pleasure for you like it did for me. Whatever it is, we want to hear your story. Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more and see how you could win your very own Magic Wand Mini. Yeah. And I really like that piece about because of gender. I think they're like, that really resonated for me when I heard you explain this at your event of thinking to myself, oh yeah, that real, I really like relate to that of feeling like there are aspects of masculinity and femininity that specifically attract me. And I'm sure there are people listening who that really like pinpoints their feeling as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I just really enjoyed that. Uh, and the second question is, how about this distinction between these three terms, ENM, an open relationship, and polyamorous? Uh, sure. So kind of ethical non-monogamy, or some people prefer consensual non-monogamy, or people just say non-monogamy, all are the same thing, is an umbrella term kind of the same way that queer is to kind of say a lot of LGBTQ labels. So it's an umbrella term for any type of relationship that is not monogamous here. But so an open relationship just means you're open to um, sexual partners outside of your primary partner, but you're not looking for love. You don't have a wife and a boyfriend and a girlfriend. You don't have a wife and you're dating other people. You have a wife and maybe you'll have sex with other people, but it is just sex. And you have this one primary partner. That's what an open relationship is. And then there are various types of open relationships underneath that. There's don't ask, don't tell. There are swingers. There are soft swaps, hard swaps. There's a bunch of other things there. But again, in any type of open relationship, you have that primary partner who you love and you love and date and are romantically involved with one person. Then polyamory, poly means many, amory means loves, means many loves. So you're open to dating and having romantic relationships with multiple people. So you might have a boyfriend and a husband and a girlfriend and a wife, or you might have a primary partner and secondary partner. And there, again, there are various forms of polyamory. There is hierarchical polyamory. There's non, I can never say hierarchical. No, that's Hi- correct. Non-hierarchical, I want like archetical, <laughs> archetical polyamory. There's kitchen table polyamory, parallel polyamory, uh, solo poly, uh, single poly, different than solo poly. There's a bunch of various ways to be poly oh relationship anarchist there's a bunch of different ways to be polyamorous uh no one is superior than the other they're just various forms whatever works for you and your partners two follow-ups one you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that right now everyone and their mother seems to be experimenting with enm why do you think that is and two where do you recommend people go to like read about this to find like-minded people to like 
hook up with like my like what what are are there like apps are there in person places like what what's your recommendation for people who want to learn more? Uh, sure. So I'll, I'll start with the first question, which is why are we seeing an increase? And I think, um, many of us didn't have uh really great monogamous like role models like like, a lot of us have divorced parents or we have parents who stayed together because they thought that longevity constituted success and because of that they were just miserable remaining monogamous in this long-term relationship uh and didn't want to break up because they had so much shame involved doing so and so because of that we're like we didn't no one seems happy Mm. here The, the people are not enjoying this like like uh, why would I want to do this? And so as almost it became an option, people were like, oh, I, I didn't even know this was an option. And I feel like that that's kind of like, it's just now becoming a viable option in a way that's not. And that's what mainstream is doing. But I think we've just seen a lot of monogamous relationships, frankly, not work. Mm-hmm. And when that's the case, uh, we're like, okay, we're looking for something different. We're looking for something new. Uh, and I think undoubtedly, even if you've been in a very successful, happy, healthy, monogamous relationship, um, you've even if you haven't cheated, and the numbers show that a lot of people fucking cheat, but even if you haven't cheated, you've definitely thought, fuck, I would love to have sex with other people. You know what I mean? That would be really fucking cool if I could do this. But again, it didn't seem like an option. But all of a sudden you talk to your partner, you're like, I actually kind of have sex with other people. You kind of want to have sex with other people. This actually might make our relationship stronger and we feel less resentful of each other and feel more connected and love each other even more. Why not give it a shot? So I think we're just understanding that there are more options. We didn't have really monogamy modeled for us in such beautiful ways. The way like, yeah, like we had this picture story tale of how it works in fairy tales, yet that's not what happened with our parents or our grandparents or anyone we know in our lives. Um, and that's not to say monogamy can't work. I, Of course, I do know happily monogamous couples. Absolutely. But also you kind of look at them, you're like, that's not really me. Um I also probably think that there's a correlation between we're seeing more and more people identify as queer than ever before, and queer people have always been more open to polyamory and open relationships, largely because we were not allowed to get married. Mm. So when we were no longer striving to have marriage, and in the majority of countries around the world, we still can't get married, right? Like um, When that is the case, we start to create our own alternative models for relationships we start to experiment with other things uh because yeah we couldn't strive to marriage we couldn't strive to monogamy we can strive to have these legal rights the same way so we created that and now that more and more people are identifying as queer and are now almost privy to this open relationship polyamorous culture that they didn't think or didn't really know existed so i think that's definitely another element to it kind of the queerness aspect of it um in terms of resources, first and foremost, read my column, uh, <laughs> Navigating Non-Monogamy at Cosmopolitan. I, I think that is one of the best resources out there. Um, there are some polyamory podcasts. Obviously, Dan Savage talks about polyamory and ethical non-monogamy all the time. The Savage Lovecast is a great resource. But they're also like polyamory-specific podcasts. And of course, I'm afraid I'm going to like ma- – they all have like polyamory like in the name of it. But I'm getting confused as to what they are. Um, in terms of like dating, meeting people, I feel like Field is the big polyamory um, app and people really like using it. Although I've heard people have success with OkCupid. If your polyamory or open relationship falls on a more like I'm looking for kink partners, um, whether it's, you know, a BDSM type relationship, dom sub relationship, sex slave, whatever it is, 
uh, FetLife is kind of a good one for that. I feel like there are a lot of like, you know, polyamorous people on there or open relationship people on there who, yeah, but their focus is like, okay, I want to have kinky sex with new people. So that's also that's specifically what you're looking for in your open relationship, which is extremely valid. A lot of times people open up their relationships because they have wild kinks or whatever it is that their partner doesn't want to do and they want to get this fulfilled elsewhere so they're able to have this kinky relationship with someone else. Um, so that's the best way to do it. But I like I, I haven't used Tinder or Hinge kind of in a while. But I also am seeing like um, I, I know enough people like who've like had threesomes through Bumble. You know what I oh, mean? So even these apps that are like not even necessarily – you don't think of them as being, you know, the poly open relationship app. I really think if you just list it on your bio, yes, you're going to get some people saying annoying, stupid things to you. Block them. You don't need to engage. Uh, that's fine. But like w- when you – like the same thing for bisexuality. When you talk about being bisexual, when you talk about being in an open relationship, all of a sudden you're going to start attracting a lot of people are bisexual, a lot of mm. people in open relationships. Very helpful. <laughs> Thank you for that list yeah. and for those explanations. Uh Let's get into that wild sex that you were talking about in your book, Transition sure. here. Uh, I would love for you to share a story from your book with our audience, maybe one about you know anything like super fun, wild, kinky, whatever you want, whatever comes to mind. Uh, sure. So I talk about this as the, the final chapter of the book, and I, so I don't want to give too much away here. Maybe but a I teaser. Threw, a teaser. So I threw a party called Buy Slut. Uh, not to be confused with the book title, Boy Slut. Right. Um, but Buy Slut was a party, and the way I describe it was for bi men and their admirers. Because I'd go to, obviously, like, straight sex parties, uh, didn't have any queer sex. I'd go to gay sex parties, and that was just, like, gay men having sex. And then i go to queer sex parties, and it was like, okay, women hooking up with women, and women hooking up with men... But really, actually, never men hooking up with men. I never saw, like, a truly bisexual sex party where it's like, I wanted to see a trans woman fisting this dude's asshole while he's blowing someone else. And I want a place where, like, non-binary partners and trans partners can be celebrated, too. And trans and non-binary people identify as bi at a significantly higher rate than cis people as well. Um but like, yeah, I want to see some MMF, some FMMM non-binary uh, configuration, some actual bisexual sex. And so... That is exactly what happened. I remember I'm like downstairs at one point in like the basement where all the beds are set up. And I think I'm like looking around like a 360 angle. I'm like covering my mouth as I'm like seeing just like the most bisexual sex configurations, like orgies, every single where I go, uh, every single where I turn, I was like, this is all I've ever wanted. I'm so happy. (laughs) And, And the thing is, and we know when I'm talking about this chapter, it's like, Yes, this party was really cool because sexually it was pretty fucking awesome. And there's no denying that. But also it was like really – I had a guy come up to me. A couple people come up to me like the space means so much for me. I often feel like I'm either gay or straight. And this is the first time where I feel like I am just existing and inhabiting my bisexual self. Um and how important it is to actually have like bi spaces, right? Not just gay spaces, not just straight spaces. And again, queer spaces are inclusive, but th- they are slightly different, right? Um, and really illustrating this book, how like kind of in the ending chapter, where I'm like, like sex isn't just sex, right? So it, like this could be easily reduced to like, oh, this was just a fun sex party. But like sex influences every aspect of your life, you know, it influences 
your relationship, obviously, with your romantic partners, your casual partners, the people having sex with, but also your mental health, your quality of life, which affects how you are at work, which affects how you feel about yourself, how you are with your family. You know, it affects everything. And um, it's the importance of having a good sex life and the importance of having a strong bisexual queer community where you feel welcomed and embraced. Like, it's not just about the sex. It's about everything that sex influences and Mm. touches which is everything. Totally. I can really relate with that idea because recently I did a magic wand experiment, a masturbation experiment. Uh, Magic wand is one of our sponsors here. And pretty much for like 21 days, I did this experiment tracking 27 variables for the first seven days. It was like abstinence week for the next seven days. It was uh, masturbating every day for the next seven days. It was regular sexual activity. And I tracked all of these things, my horniness graph, my confidence, my, all of these amazing things. And the conclusion that I came to is that sexual pleasure is one very important piece of the pie that makes up my happiness as an individual. And I think that can be extrapolated, uh, to sex with my partner, sex with myself. Exactly. Yeah. Which was really absolutely a really cool thing. I'll send you the send you the data after if you want to take oh, a look please. at it. Please, oh my god, I'm ready to come again too. I hope it's not <laughs> TMI. I I got a vasectomy a week ago. Oh wow! And so um, how was that? And it's healing fine. <laughs> healing fine. It's a pretty minimal procedure for the most part, and I, but I just can't come for a week. Oh, uh, and then I should pop. probably have probably have like i can have like slow very slow gentle sex oh, for wow. a little bit but i'm like okay i, I might just like wait style. is that your that's style? not my style so i'm just gonna jerk off i can finally jerk off tomorrow which i'm very excited for wow. um so Count anyway but i feel like this this is the longest i feel like i've gone without coming since i was like 14 so uh <laughs> wait, so has it only been like not only but has it been a week it is a week. I, I got it last. What do you say? Tuesday. I got it on Wednesday, so it's been six days. Uh-huh. So I tomorrow. I just want to make sure no bruising, no scabs, open it, whatever it is, and uh, back to my horny, disgusting self. Can you talk a little bit about like why you wanted to do that and what the actual process was like of doing it? Uh, sure. So I want to do it for kind of a few reasons. Um, number one, I have partners who are just like not on birth control, and it's because it messes with their body. Um, or for any other reason, just so you know, they're, they're not on birth control mm-hmm. and we want to have condomless sex. And also it's like, I play a little fast and loose. My condom use is not notoriously not the best. Right. So like I've had some close calls and I remember at a partner, we recently broke up, but we're actually on good terms where she was not on birth control. And she was like, I'm like, if you got pregnant, would you get um, an abortion? And she goes, I would not. And I'm like, oh, really? And she was like, it's not that she's against abortions. It was that she had, she took the abortion pill. Like, and I've, I have consent to share this story because I shared it in something recently, Mm -hmm. like, um, like 10 years ago. And she started hemorrhaging out so badly. She had to go to the ER and she would have died. Oh, wow. And and she's, she's like, I'm 32. I want to have a kid at some point. Um, your genes are not bad. I'll I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll take take it. I'll take it. And also like, I don't know if my body can like handle this anymore you, you, you know wow. what i mean like i that's really very, don't want to do this i've never heard of a story like that that's a very rare i assume but really scary yeah and so she was like no i don't w- want to do this i'm yeah. like okay Fair. um we really need to wear condoms and not get drunk and be like oh it's fine we'll use the pullout method it's like jesus zach i know better than this right. i come on zach yeah so just yeah just having and just a little bit of safety you know condoms 
break. I have partners who, you know, they're very good about taking their birth control. Sometimes they forget whatever it is. And I just kind of didn't want the onus to be on my partner all the time. It's just like, okay, I feel safe. I can take responsibility. I know we are good. And I'm uh, sure I don't want kids, but I froze sperm just in case, honestly, just so I can uh, ignore having an annoying conversation with my mom who's like, well, maybe 10 years from now you won't. Uh, like I, I'm like, I literally identify as a boy slut. I really don't think this is in the cards for me. But like just in case I did freeze my sperm, but yeah, that way I can kind of just have some sexual autonomy. Yeah, the onus not be on my partners and I can just feel more comfortable and safe and not have to worry about it because obviously worrying about pregnancy scares is very scary for everyone involved. Yeah, it sucks. Um, and do you feel like having gone through it that we should be talking about it as a more viable option for birth it, control? It, it is wild that it really is not like, first of all, it's free through insurance. Like getting reverse vasectomy, I think that's like $15,000 or something quite oh, expensive. Wow. So like you can't do that or, or you can do that. It's and it's not a hundred percent. It's expensive. But like considering like it's a pretty minimal procedure, all things considered, it, they're very like um, few potential side effects from it. It is very safe. And considering just like the side effects that go along with birth control, if you know you don't want kids, this is an absolute great option. If you think you might want kids, then no, this is not a great option. You know what I mean? Right. Like, th th then you should absolutely keep it. But if you know you don't want to have kids, it, it makes your life easier. It makes your partner's life easier. We're in the era of Roe versus Wade being overturned and just being like, any fucking help we can have to women right now. <laughs> like, yeah. let, let's, let's do it. Let's not put yourself in a situation where you can't, where your partner can't get an abortion when she needs one. You know what I mean? Like, uh, or when she needs one and wants one, whatever it is. So like th the fact that it's like, it really should be spoken about significantly more. And I think it is such a great and viable option if you know you don't want kids or if you've already had kids and you don't want more. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like women that I speak with, at least anecdotally, are kind of like being more open about the fact that birth control pills or whatever other form of birth control they're on has given them significantly challenging side uh, I, effects. I, I've heard like IUDs can cause so much pain, yeah. can cause spotting and shifting and just the amount of pain it takes to get it, yeah. the amount of pain it takes to get it removed. Like it's, I, I think so many men don't understand that like, like what we are demanding of women mm. and like the actual like pain and stress and emotional mood swings and everything that we're putting on women uh, but it's like, okay, we actually can, it takes two to tangle, right? You're having sex with women. You're the one coming, like you're equally responsible. You can equally like uh, pull your weight in the situation. And it is really not that hard for men. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like, like getting this, I mean, again, it's annoying that I can't come and I haven't been able to work out. I'm still swelling, but like two weeks, it'll take me two weeks and I'll be ready fucking go for the rest of my fucking life. Obviously you can't come, um, you have to wait like a couple months. I think you have to come like 30 times and then they double check and make sure that it was successful. Oh, wow. So like the numbers don't 30. immediately. Like, That'll take don't. me one week. Yeah. Yeah. Literally they're like come back in two months. I'm like 45 minutes. <laughs> I will be here in 45 fucking minutes and, and be fine. Oh. But like, so just make sure obviously like it is, it takes longer to get a vasectomy than you realize you, at least in the state of New York, I had to go in, sign paperwork. They make you wait a month. You have between a month and six months. And I'm like, it is easier for me to buy a gun and shoot my dick oh off my than get a fucking vasectomy. That's oh. what I said to the doctor and he just started laughing. <laughs> um, I, I, and like what ended up happening was I was ended up traveling during that first five months to six month period. Didn't have enough time. So then I missed the window by like a month. I had to go in, sign again, wait another month. And this time I'm like, all right, we're doing it. Like I, I like, I, 
like I'm not signing this and doing this shit again. Um, and so like the actual process of doing it and then having to wait, it's not going to be, it, it is going to take a little bit of time here. So, you know, start sooner than later, if it's something you're interested in. Great. I'm really glad that we made time for that today. <laughs> Didn't think that was going to yeah. come up and I'm yeah excited yeah. to hear how that goes for you. Hopefully well. I mean, I'm healing fine. You know what I mean? So it should be great. Yeah, I'm sure it'll yeah be an excellent choice for you. And I'm really glad that you did that. Annoying that they Thank had to you. make you wait, but you will come in no time. I will become, I'll make it up for last time. Yeah, here. Exactly. Uh, we have a couple questions left. Thank you again so much for being on. This has been such a great interview. Um, of course. And I want to, I want to get back to your book for a second. Just like personally, I'm wondering if there's been a really surprising part of like putting this book out into the world. And if there's like something really, really exciting that you didn't expect that's been happening for you. Oh my God. I had so much anxiety putting this book out in the world. I'm a highly anxious person uh, with OCD and Jewish neuroses. But so I think one of the best things is I get a pretty much a thank you note pretty much daily uh-huh. at this point since the book has come out. So it came out um, May 9th. We're at July 18th. So it's been two and a half months. And uh, daily, I, I'm getting a message about how this book has changed your, my life. And in positive ways, this person's like, this has been so much better for me than the last year of therapy. And I go, you need to get a better therapist. Uh, And she just started laughing. I'm like, no, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, But I think what was cool was seeing what people resonated with. It wasn't just one chapter. It wasn't just one theme. And each chapter is slightly different in the way that I do it. I am talking about different themes and seeing like what resonated with people and it were things that I'm like, oh, th- that was your takeaway from that. Oh, this small thing spoke to you in a way that I didn't even think that was going to have such a large impact. So I think it's very cool seeing kind of the various elements of the book that actually speak to people and what resonates with people and what their favorite part is and what their takeaway from it is. And people being like, Zach, I came out as bisexual because of you. I came out as trans because of you. I've embraced being polyamorous because of you. I'm no longer embarrassed of my kinks. I feel so much more confident sexually. I feel like I can discuss what I want. I'm now on dating apps. You've helped me so much. And like, Fuck, that feels good because I, I get a lot of hatred for what I do. A lot of people hated the book. Mm. Of course, this is a book th- that people are going to hate. The book is called Boy Slut. Obviously, not everyone is going to love it. People are going to hate it for the title alone. Um, so I, I did this, though, because I want to help the queer community. I want to help the bi community, the poly, the kinky community. And when I receive these notes, I'm like, okay, I know I've been anxious. I know I dealt with a lot of hatred and vitriol. And I continue to receive this. But no, I, I, I did this. I did the right thing. I'm happy I did this. This is something good I put out in the world that's going to be helping people. And that just makes me really, really happy when I'm somewhat feeling overwhelmed by the negativity that I also receive. Yeah, that's it, right? Like, that's what we're all seeking in this life is to, like, feel yeah. like we're having a positive impact on somebody. And you, the fact that you're hearing from people of, like, you changed my life and I'm like another addition to that being like you like you know you had a big influence on the way in which that my thoughts about myself have crystallized and like you'll always be a part of that story for me which is really special and really unique and very cool um but yeah I'm very appreciative I know a lot of other people are I'm very excited to finish your book and to finish all of the the kinky sex scenes that I haven't quite gotten to yet yeah um but I'm wondering if you can share again where listeners can find and follow you read your work and where can they buy your book 
Sure. So honestly, Instagram is great. I'm Zachary Zane underscore there. I just got off Twitter a couple months ago, which has been good for my mental health. So I think I'm going to stay off Twitter, stay off threads. Um, do that. My website, ZacharyZane.com. I have a digital zine called also called Boy Slut, which is either great branding or very confusing. And that's on Substack. And I publish nonfiction erotica. Uh, so real sex stories that happen to me and other writers contribute to. It is raunchy. It is explicit. It is over the top. It is queer and fun as fuck. I highly recommend subscribing. And then you can buy my book anywhere books are sold. So the book is called Boy Slut, One Word. Because actually, if we did it as two words, we would have gotten dinged on Amazon because slut registers as a bad word. Oh, interesting. Um so, I mean, buy it from your local bookstore is always good, but of course you could also buy it on Amazon too. It is exists there, and I also did an Audible book uh, where I'm the one that read it. Uh, so you, you can also listen to me if you enjoy my very gay voice, then please, please enjoy uh, that as well. But yeah, like, please uh, pick up a copy, and if you could buy five to 10,000 copies for all of your friends as well, <laughs> I'd really, really appreciate it. Yeah, maybe 20, you know, depending on your budget. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Zachary Zane, thank you so much for being on. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalow. Our producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our associate producer and communications coordinator is Sadie Luigi. Our marketing coordinator is Kate Fiala. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thanks so much to our featured guests, partners, and listeners. Want to partner with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. For exclusive content and to submit an anonymous sex ed question, Check out my new podcast on Fridays, Curious Sex Ed, hosted with Mariah Caudillo of Sex Ed Files. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash curiouseed to learn more. See you next time.